Hello, and welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer, and I'm Matt's older brother. And with me is Matt. Matt will say hello now. Hello now. <laughs> yep. You're welcome, Sean. Yep. <laughs> Just a couple of quick reminders about ways you can support the podcast. You can, of course, subscribe. You can listen. You can share it with your friends. You can also go to stilltbd.fm, and you'll find a link there where you can throw some pennies in the jar. Any kind of support, even if it's just listening and sharing, is greatly appreciated. All of it really does help the channel. And before we get into the newest episode, I wanted to share a few thoughts about our most recent episode. The last episode we had was about EV battery recycling. And there were a number of comments from people who I think joined us in the idealistic hope that, yes, this should happen. But yeah. will it? It's, yes. <laughs> it's sometimes hard to... Uh, to know if there will be enthusiasm, as one of the, re, uh, the one of the listeners put it, Rabid Razorback wrote, "Love both channels. I love the enthusiasm for battery recycling. However, I question whether it will work. Companies and governments have enough issues with paper, plastic, and glass because it has to be quote economical. It won't be done if it doesn't make money. I don't question the environmental upsides, but if the powers that be don't make money, they won't do it." I was wondering, do you have any? Thoughts on that? I think this is something that you've basically weighed in on previously, where you keep saying that people will follow the money. Yeah, no, it's it's a sad reality of the world. Money makes the world go round. It's if companies can find a way to profit over one choice over another, that's where everything's going to go. Right. So whether you're using government incentives to create a structure that makes it profitable for companies, or it happens naturally and organically, it doesn't really matter. So. Whatever we need to do to get to that point where it becomes objectively the money-making scheme to go to recycling, that's what's going to make it succeed. Right. Yeah. And I think it's one of those cases where we can be reminded that we can sharpen our idealism with pragmatism. Yeah. And you mentioned things like government programs. Sometimes public pressure and government action can be the beginning of a turning point. Mm -hmm. And I think you've mentioned a number of different um, programs on your channel. We've discussed them in, in different episodes where good action is taking place entirely because somebody is looking to make a profit, where there are, yes. there yeah. are new technologies that are beginning to build up steam, so to speak. I mean, obviously, steam is a part of some of these industries that we're talking about, <laughs> yes. uh, pun not intended. It's, there are cases where this really is driven by the profit motive. And there are times where somebody might turn away from something saying like, oh, there's no way for us to make money on that. But there are growing numbers of times where people are saying like, oh, here's a profit motive. And the byproduct is actually a positive one. So yeah, it, I think it's good to remember that that can happen. So a combination of public pressure, governmental action, capitalist, you know, activity on the other end uh, and hopefully things can move in the right direction yeah i also wanted to share a comment from our british correspondent roger starkey <laughs> good old roger roger hey, writes roger. <laughs> recycling an example i happened to purchase a new coffee machine last month from a well-known nationwide uk electrical retailer inside the box was a small so less recycling piece of paper urging me to quote, recycle your old product, then proclaiming, quote, 
you've bought a new product, so it's likely you've upgraded or replaced a damaged unit. Did you know you can return any electrical item you no longer want to us free of charge, and we will recycle it regardless of whether you purchase the item from us? Close that quote. That's so awesome. That and so cool. I read that comment, and I swear I stood there for a moment with my mouth kind of hanging open, thinking, yeah. like, this is the kind of corporate responsibility and you know that the corporate responsibility did not originate with the corporation you know that the corporation Correct. wasn't like let's make sure that we get those old products and keep them out of the garbage bins this was a governmental program that mm -hmm. requires this level of action and one of the byproducts of it that i think is being missed on this side of the atlantic is it makes the corporations look good. Yeah, very. You know, you open up that new TV and there's a note from Sony saying, hey, if you bring this back to the retailer, we'll take care of recycling your old one for you. That makes Sony look good. It makes Mr. Mm -hmm. Coffee look good. It makes Sanyo or Duracell or whomever it makes that company look good. And I think that's a missed opportunity here. And when I read Roger's comment, my first thought was the closest version that I have to that in my life is if you have a still working product, you leave it out in the garbage with a note saying still works. Yeah. And you just keep your fingers crossed that somebody will take it. Right. And that's one of those American moments that we take for granted and assume this is how the world works. Mm -hmm. And that's really ridiculous. I think yeah. that Roger's little anecdote is a demonstration of we could do so much better. Yeah. It's, it's also a, a symbol to me of how the UK and the EU together, they are way ahead of like us here in the US as far as policies, where they're forcing companies to be responsible for the products they put out in the world which means you have to be responsible for the full life cycle of this product. Right. And so it's, it means they're going to take steps to use materials that are easily recycled. It's going right. to mean they're going to take steps to uh, create programs to take those things back, all that kind of stuff. So it's like, it's really cool to see something as simple as what a coffee maker, something like that, that where right. this is, this is done where we have companies like Apple, they're taking the right steps where they provide products that are in basically almost all paper. Like most of their products come in paper products and wrappings and all this kind of stuff that's completely recyclable, which is amazing. But I would love to see inside of those boxes, a little note that says, uh, you just got your new iPhone, have an old iPhone, make sure you recycle, go to this website and we'll, we'll arrange we'll it, do for it for you. you. Yeah. Right. It's like just another reminder. Um, they do that, but I don't think they're as proactive as something like what Roger brought up. I think it's really, really cool. I hope we see more and more of that in the coming years. Yeah. Very, very, um, it's an awareness that I think we're lacking on this side. And unfortunately, we're one of the biggest consumers worldwide of most yeah. of these products. So By we're creating part, the, the biggest part of the problem. Yeah. So on to today's episode in which we're going to discuss Matt's most recent episode from his channel, which is titled, and I know our listeners are as excited <laughs> to hear me say this phrase as I am to read it, <laughs> clean renewable energy from a toilet. <laughs> question mark <laughs> exploring water pipe turbines 
This episode dropped on June 1st, 2021. So uh, one of the things that stands out for me, Matt, is that we're already in June. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And now Uh, on to more important topics. Flushing your toilet and creating electricity. Poop power. Poop power. As one of your commenters put it, Pale Ghost 69 wrote, would toilet-powered turbines change the meaning of shit hitting the fan into a good thing? <laughs> the answer would be yes. <laughs> the, it would be a definitive yes. Make number two number one in your power book. So, we should make shirts, Sean. We should yeah. make podcast shirts. We might not even Still be determined about, making yeah. number two number one. Yeah. <laughs> This is, uh, we may never get past the jokes at this point. <laughs> this episode, if it runs the length of most of our episodes, about 20, 25 minutes, you might be in for 15 minutes of just us giggling. <laughs> this is a real thing. It is a serious thing. And it, as you point out in the episode, it has the potential for a real impact on energy production. Mm-hmm. You talked about, municipal water flow and how it we don't think about the fact that when we turn on the tap and it comes out that somewhere along the line that same water that it is now dripping out of my faucet Mm -hmm. and filling my glass at a reasonable pace was hurtling through a pipe yeah at really high pressure really high pressure it was moving (laughs) at speeds that would make like if a person was caught in that current, it would yeah. hurt them terribly as they yes. careened down the, you know, through, through the pipe. Um, and you don't really think about that when you're filling your water glass. You don't think about it when you're turning on the shower, flushing the toilet. And as soon as you point it out in your video, immediately the giant light bulb goes on in my head, which is there is so much kinetic energy that is Mm -hmm. just being created and then released with no thought behind what might happen with it. Yeah. And that really, given the age of water turbines as a means of energy production, is this culturally a massive head slap moment where (laughs) it feels like a, yeah, well, Duh. Like what yeah. have you been doing for all these, I mean, literally centuries of people building water, municipal water systems where water is moving it through at these incredible paces and nobody's harnessing it. Yeah. I think and that really like, seems like a, a collective face palm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I do think that is, I looked in, in, the, in the research, I was looking for hints as to like, why it wasn't this earlier? And I couldn't find any definitive answers. I think there's a little bit of it when it comes to technology, because these micro turbines, you know, they, we had to figure out how to do it. So it's not like it could have been done a hundred years ago, but it's like, this is not rocket science. The stuff right. we're talking about here. It's just, somebody just had to put some time and effort into figuring out how to do it. And there is a little bit of a, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, and, and part of a, broader topic is just how much energy are we wasting across the board it's like i've done videos on sterling engines which you know take waste heat and can turn it into kinetic energy which can be used to turn a generator and make electricity it's like how much heat is being put off in manufacturing processes that we could be capturing 
and yep. turning into electricity. How much pressure, you know, we create these PRV systems to slow that water down and reduce the pressure so that it doesn't blow our taps off the sinks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like we, we created a system to deliberately reduce the pressure where it's like, well, if we just put that through a turbine, we could still reduce the pressure and capture that wasted energy that we're just throwing away right now. Right. It's like there's there's like dozens of these little things that we can do sprinkled throughout everything that we do in our daily, you know, civilized lives that we live now where we could recoup a lot of energy that could then pay itself off. Like I have solar panels, which generate not power for my neighborhood, but enough for me to kind of feel a difference. Right. And it's like if a municipal water system can generate enough electricity to offset their energy use, it's like, just think about all the different systems that might be able to recover what they're doing. Um, and more recently, just to throw another thing out, uh, a viewer sent me an, uh, a, a news article of a company that has created radiators for your homes and businesses that are essentially computers and it's part of a cloud computing system so that you just you set your time i want 74 degrees and when the heat comes on basically the system basically starts processing whatever cloud computing stuff needs to so be done so it's the computing that's creating the heat the <laughs> yes. heat sink is then radiating the heat into and, the room and you want to know how much it costs you as the person with this in your house nothing because the company charges the person that's doing the comp that needs the computing. Like a company says, we need X amounts of, you know, teraflops of things to process this information and they pay a fee for it. And that's paying for your heat. So you get free heat in your home because this is processing that had to be done by a company X anyway, but we're using the heat to heat, to heat your home. It's like, it's like there's so many of these like so little because things people want go, to find bitcoins they're fine they're heating bingo. homes in that's bingo it's insane it's just like it's like opening pandora's box the more i open this up and look into this it's like this this water system stuff i've looked into is just like the tip of the iceberg of the stuff i've been finding <laughs> i've been looking looking into this it's really cool stuff yeah i there's a comment from Frankie Ali who wrote, I could see tall office buildings and apartment buildings hooking the low flow turbines up to their gray water systems to offset the cost of building operations, especially buildings that want the LEEDS certification. The LEEDS certification is one of the certification processes to demonstrate that a building is a green building. It's a yeah. measurement of its overall impact, uh, a measure of its carbon footprint, essentially. Yes. And and the goal being that office buildings, apartment buildings, large structures in cities get the LEED certification to demonstrate that they are close to, if not at zero. And I wondered, is this kind of, is there an isolated measurement of this kind of energy production? Are different energy productions in the LEED certification separate? Or is it an overall just a large mass number of energy intake versus energy output. I have to look at that specifically, but I don't think it's specific for the kind that you're doing. I think it's more of a collective assessment as mm -hmm. to what you're doing, mm -hmm. like what your impact is. So I don't think it would care if you're doing a combination between solar and this or just solar or just this. It's like, right. it's more of a, well, what's the whole energy production you're getting and how is it offsetting your overall use? Right. I think that's more what the leads is doing. One of the things that you talked about in your video was this versus solar and wind. This is a 24 hour, seven days a week process where there is water mm -hmm. flowing through these pipes. 
like I think about here in New York City, the the aqueduct that brings New York City's water from upstate New York is one of the largest and oldest in the United States, and it's what gives New York City what is arguably spring water coming out mm-hmm. of our faucets. And the amount of energy that could be harnessed from something like that, it is a massive just downhill aqueduct that if it was retrofitted with turbines along it, it would run 24 hours a day. Exactly. So I wondered two things. You give a lot of numbers about energy production, the numbers that the, the, the amount of energy that these different systems create. And mm-hmm. there's the ones that are the larger scale and then there's the micro scale. Uh, you talk about things like the ones that would could f- effectively be fitted onto a toilet are the micro yeah. ones. And yeah. then the larger scale ones are the ones that might be put in parallel to the city's water system. Mm-hmm. And I did understand the logic behind parallel systems there. Sometimes parallel redundancy is not something you would necessarily want. I think for repair and for maintenance, parallel makes a lot of sense. sense. It does, um, yeah. So my question was, you give a lot of these numbers in isolation for this type of system. I wondered Mm -hmm. how it compared to the other options like solar and wind in two ways. How does it compare in a one-to-one energy production? And how would it compare as an average of what solar does in a 24-hour cycle? Because energy production at night would be non-existent for solar or for wind overall. Like... Is this a lower level of energy, but it's more consistent or is it closer to matching and being just more consistent overall? It's a lower amount of energy because there's less of it. There's more wind potential. There's more solar potential in different countries and states around the world. Um, Where it's like, you might be talking like, I can't remember what the numbers were for California or New York or Massachusetts, but like, if you're talking about like adding 24 megawatts of potential for let's say Colorado or whatever the number was um you might be talking about you know hundreds of megawatts of potential for wind or solar so it's like it's a it's a smaller overall amount that you can get but it is 24 hours consistent you'd be able to pretty much count on that energy day in and day out no matter what it's doing outside so there's kind of pros and cons there's not like one system is going to be better than another system it's more of a i always say this again and again it's like it's a mix of what you're doing it's like you'd still want to be building out solar because it's actually probably going to be slightly cheaper than this Mm -hmm. but like i pointed out in the video it's like based on the costs one of the places that did this found a cost of four cents per kilowatt hour which is really cheap it's like that is very competitive to other forms of energy in fact it's better than a lot so it's, it's, it really just comes down to the cost and value versus just how much you're going to get, is my sake. You also described in your video a couple of large-scale projects that were done based on, for cities where they effectively were given a grant and they implemented mm-hmm. systems like this. And I just wanted to wrap my head a little better around how those worked. Was this a case of, a grant being provided to a municipality that then after the system is put in over time, that municipality pays back the grant. 
It depends or, on where it was. Some of the ones I talked about were not paid back. It's like, you know, 20% of the cost came from this grant that the city just doesn't have to pay back. So it's like the state provided money for a city to do it. And that money is just gone. essentially. Right. So right. It's, it's, it goes back to the, without that grant, what would the cost have worked out to? Would it have been a good thing to do? Which kind of goes back to our earlier conversation about like, uh, money makes the world go round. It's like sometimes you have to put your thumb on the scale a little bit to give new technologies like this a chance to start. And then you can start to lift your thumb off the scale as yeah. things become more widely adopted and production starts to drop in cost, which means it's cheaper to implement it on its own. Right. It's like we've seen that we've seen that with solar. Solar is almost at the point right now where you can take your thumb off the scale and it's going to be just fine because it's right. going to be the cheapest without incentives. So it's like this clearly still probably needs its somebody's thumb on the scale just a little bit because right. without those grants it may not have been as lucrative uh, otherwise and of course the initial investment from the grant makers whether it's government or charitable organizations or even just wealthy individuals mm -hmm. you're getting a case study out of exactly. funding it that one time so exactly uh was it greensboro that was the mm -hmm. one of the locations like they then become the site where people will be flown in from around the country and around the world to go in and say like this is how it works this is how much money they're saving it makes sense for toledo cincinnati minnesota like anywhere could recreate this same sort of system exactly and there's i think also that, a, there's also a bigger picture point of view that a lot of cities and states have to take that as us, we don't think about, but like there's the overall burden on the grid that we're seeing as we're electrifying everything. There's, it, we're ramping up how much electricity we need dramatically. And so it's like utilities and states and countries have to get ahead of that. Right. And so even though the numbers may be tight in some cases to make it, make it a case for this, it's like, you want to try to cut back your energy use wherever you can. And it's like putting a system like this in makes the water system self-sufficient so now that burden is now off the grid which gives you more headroom for everybody else on the grid so it's like right. there's there's reasons why you'd want to do this beyond just <laughs> pure pure how many dollars are we going to get out of this it's like if, even if it's break even it might make sense so yeah. it's it, it depends and one of the things we talked about previously in other episodes is how geography dictates so much of what can be done certain parts of the country solar is going to be more efficient than in other parts or wind power is going to work in some areas better than in others um this really seems like one that could across the board be implanted into any city anywhere in the country anywhere in the world there yep. is water flowing through pipes and yep. there is a water system that is increasing energy in that pipe and decreasing energy in that pipe and this could be utilized across the board and i like the the demonstrations of some of them being the micro scale that is just so small that it's literally like we wanted to have a meter in here to yeah. read water flow and the best way to power that meter was to use the water flow yeah like so in some cases it's not putting anything into the grid but it's not taking anything out so it's an isolated energy production and use system that kind of isolated circular moment yeah could be recreated in all Anywhere. sorts of ways and we see here in in uh, the city in new york there are 
things that have been put into place, which are little mini solar panels that in some cases power things like traffic cameras. Yeah. Uh, Little things like that where it's like, okay, we want to be able to put in traffic cameras. Traffic cameras are going to use power. How are we going to use that when it would mean we would be siphoning off of the traffic lights or the street lights? What are we going to do? Oh, little solar panels will feed enough electricity for this camera. So it's things like that that become creative thinking of not thinking necessarily in the big picture, but in a device, the micro scale. I think it's really, really quite amazing. Yeah. Driving on the Mass Pike here in Massachusetts, it's like you see these call emergency call boxes every once in a while down the, the highway, and they all have little solar panels on the top of them. And it's like the beauty of that is it's probably a cell phone with a solar panel, which means they didn't have to do any expensive wiring to it. You just put the pole with the solar panel and this, this wireless phone, and you're good to go. I've seen it's that for the, the uh, caution displays as well. There will be yep. a caution display trailer with the traffic warnings and then atop it you see the solar panel so it's clearly this thing is just driving around the back of the truck they're dropping it off they don't have to plug it in they don't have to worry about batteries they don't have to do anything it's it's powering itself during the day yep so my last question to you is we've talked about all these different means of of energy production large scale small scale if you were putting together a new home for yourself how many of these would you try to utilize? <laughs> what ones would you say like, okay, there's a list of like five possible ones. I'd want to go for these three or I'd go for all five. Like what would your thinking be around that? It would depend on where you live or you're planning on building. But it's like my first thing would always be solar because that works pretty much everywhere. I don't care where you're living. You can usually make a case for that uh, depending where you are. Like if you're in the center of the United States, where the wind is like crazy down to the center of the country, it's like you could look into micro turbines for your home as well. That, that would be something that'd be on my list where I live. It wouldn't make sense. Um, cause I would have to build it so high on a pole and all that kind of stuff to make it even work. It's like, mm-hmm. it wouldn't make sense for me, but it would be solar then wind. And then maybe looking into capturing the, the gray water and the rainwater off of your roof and seeing if there's something that you can do with that. Cause they make, little turbines that you can put in <laughs> your downspouts. <laughs> so you can, right. You're not going to get a ton of energy from that if you don't get a lot of rain, but it's like, it's even if you get enough to charge up a little battery pack, it's like, why not? It's like if the, if the economics make sense, but yeah, it would just be solar and wind mainly. Mm-hmm. So our listeners should let us know what they think. What would they put into their dream house? Would you be looking at gray water systems for energy production? Would your toilet, in fact, have a USB plug so you could charge your phone while you sat there? Let us know what you think. But please don't get too graphic. You can find the contact information for us in the podcast description. You reach out to us there. If you're on YouTube, you're looking at our smiling faces right now and you will see the comments directly below the video. Wherever you're listening or watching, please do subscribe. And don't forget, we have a way to directly support the podcast. You can visit stilltbd.fm. You'll see the support the podcast link there. And we have a jar set up. You can throw a quarter into it. Whatever kind of support you're able to give, we greatly appreciate. And that includes simply listening or watching, giving us a rating, a review, and sharing this with your friends. All of that really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. 
And then Matthew makes number two, number one. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you.